0: I want to welcome you back again as we continue on our journey with John. If you are a guest here or you haven't been to Northside on Sunday nights in a while, we are going on a journey with John as we look at the life of Christ through John's eyes. You know, it's important stuff, water. Water. We, from the moment we are conceived, we are uh, surrounded by water. We cannot go very long without uh, water, some say three days, and uh, we go much longer than that, we'll die. When scientists look for signs of life in other places on other planets, the first thing they look for is water. It's the elixir of life. You cannot have life without it. And if you don't have it, if you go too long without it, you'll die. It's so important to everything that we do, from staying hydrated to staying cool to hygiene, washing ourselves. Uh, it, It takes care of so many of the basic necessities of life. It's so important... For everything that we have and that we do on planet Earth. That we sometimes forget how dependent on it we are. For many years, my former job, before they fired me. We would take a, a large group of teenagers and put them on a bus or two. Send them up a mountain. And as they would go up in that elevation, the... Uh, Water was not so prevalent. We took a lot of water with us. And as much as we would tell them, you need to stay hydrated, and we had many creative ways of doing that, uh, they still thought they knew better. They didn't need to drink the water. Water was for wusses. And uh second, third day of camp, they would feel miserable, have a headache, just completely disoriented, not wanting to be at camp. And our first question was, have you had any water? Oh, well, I don't know, maybe on Friday when we stopped in you know, Colby, Kansas, I had a Diet Coke or something, and they didn't realize the value of the water. In our world, Water is so readily available that we scarcely notice how important it is. And yet, whether it's readily available by the case and by the bottle, and we can just have it readily, if you, if you feel thirsty during this sermon, you can just go out there and find a water fountain, and it's right there for you. Because it's so readily available... We forget the value and how uh, precious a commodity it really is. In other worlds, in other lands, in other places of the world, it is not so readily available. And people will travel for miles and miles carrying large jugs to get the precious elixir of life. And to us, that seems like, man, that seems like a lot of effort. And you just go to Walmart and get you a case. It's so important and it's so readily available that we miss maybe what's happening in our story tonight. In first century Judea, which of course is a very arid land, the water was very scarce. And so in the gospel, actually, particularly in John, the subject of water comes up quite a bit in lots of different ways. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight, the water and the importance of coming to it. It's not just, of course, about this water, but that's where the story takes place we look at the Gospel of John, there are several different ways in which water is used. And some of them, if you've been here consistently on Sunday nights, you've, you've seen the water in action. Or at least Jesus putting the water into action. First is the act of baptizing. We start out the book of John with John the Baptist uh, baptizing many people. Last week we talked about how His disciples were concerned when many people started to going to Jesus to be baptized by him. In John chapter 1, verse 3, we're told that John the Baptist did uh, that baptizing in the Jordan River, which would be the lifeblood of that area. In John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus said that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born. The water and spirit. Water is also seen in the miracles. Jesus turns, of course, the, the famous first miracle, turning the water into something better. He took what was common and necessary for life and he made it into something they had never tasted, like before or since. Chapter 5, verse 7 Jesus will heal an invalid at the pool. And he finds a source of healing at the water. In John chapter 9, we're told the story of Jesus healing uh, a man who was born blind. And how he did that was a little dirt and a little spit and putting mud on the man's eyes. We say it just in Jesus' hands doesn't take a lot of water to do a great deal of good. And as we finish John chapter 19, there's a story as he's hanging on the cross, the soldiers poke his side with a spear, and from his side come a a flow of both blood and water. There's a reason that John mentioned that, because it's important to understand the cleansing power of both the blood and the water. That's another sermon. Then finally, the Use of water of the washing, uh, for the washing. The ceremonial washing is mentioned a couple of times in John. John chapter 13 is the story of Jesus using the water to wash his disciples' feet. As he takes a, ta- a knee and a towel and he shows them what it is to lead in the kingdom of God. Where it's not about position or power, it's about serving. It's about looking for the opportunities that are right in front of you and Doing the good that needs to be done. Tonight's story is not about any of those. Baptizing or miracles or washings. It's about the simple act of drinking water. We are in John chapter 4. I hope that you'll turn there. It involves a thirsty woman who needed water. She needed two types of water. She starts out the story needing one type, and Jesus points her to a much deeper dehydration that she has. It's also about a Messiah, the Jesus who is on mission. In chapter 4 verse 4, John notes that Jesus had to go through Samaria. The original language there indicates that it was it he was it wasn't the quickest, fastest route, but that he had a mission and a purpose, a reason for being at this well to talk with this woman for the purpose of giving her living water and for opening that well to a whole number of Samaritans. So turn to John chapter 4 as we read together, and I'll invite you to come to the well. John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Sorry, I lost my place. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who was baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, rather than read the rest of the story, I want to invite you to watch it, starting in verse 7, as we get a visual description.
1: How is it that thou, a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans.
2: If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink... I would have asked of him,
1: and he would have given thee living water. Sir, so thou hast nothing to draw with. The well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well? And drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle.
2: Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. The water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life.
1: So give me of this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw.
2: Go, call thy husband and come hither.
1: I have no husband.
2: Thou hast well said I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands.
1: Sir I perceive that thou art a prophet: Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that it is in Jerusalem that men ought to worship.
2: Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain, nor yet in Jerusalem, worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, and salvation is of the Jews. And the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. For unto such hath God promised his spirit, and they who worship him must worship in spirit
1: and in truth. I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. And when he has come, he will tell us all things.
2: I that speak unto thee am he.
0: As we think about this interaction, this conversation between two people who would not normally have had a conversation... In everyday social and with all of the rigid customs of the time, this conversation should not have happened. But Jesus had to go to Samaria, Samaria, and the reason he had to go was because there was there a woman who thirsted. She, in fact, was parched. She was, was, as we start out the story, Jesus, John points out the, the nature of his flesh, saying that he was tired, he sat down, he is, of course, probably thirsty from his journey, and yet he understands that at this well, something more is going to happen. He broke through the rigid social customs of the day, and he made contact with an outcast, a woman who had been to that well before. A woman who was coming to that well at that hour for the very purpose of being alone. Uh, Most people with common sense would not go to a well to draw water around noon at the heat of the day. You go in the morning, you go in the evening when it's less intense. She's going at this hour on this hot, dry day because she needs water, but she doesn't want the glances She doesn't want the hushed whispers. She doesn't need the gossip gossip about her life. And she's faced all of that and then some. She's hoping to go to a well that is empty, not dry, but vacant of people and social customs. She was a woman. She had had several husbands and she was currently living with a guy guy who was not her husband. And so, in every way, uh, she had reason to avoid the crowd at noon. She was ashamed, emotionally and spiritually. She was isolating herself. She was drawing she, her well was drying up relationally. She had uh, a, a lot of a lot of reasons to go to the well at noon. That wouldn't make sense to most of us. In short, she was parched. She wasn't just physically parched. She was spiritually parched. She was empty. She was without hope. She had given up. Most people had given up on her. I don't know if you've been to this well before. It's not a pleasant place to go. But sometimes we find ourselves there as a result of poor decisions we've made. And this particular day, she comes across a man. A man unlike any she had ever met before. He didn't want anything from her except a drink. She was maybe annoyed by that fact, maybe surprised by that fact, but... He offered her something that was so much deeper than the well from which she came to draw. I'm not sure if you've been there when you draw from a well that's very dry. You've given up your hope, and uh, you are just hoping there's no one at the well when you come to draw. I find it interesting that she says something to Jesus that I think applied to her more than to him. And that was these words, sir, the well is deep and you have nothing to draw with. To me, this is the fundamental basic human problem is that we thirst and our thirst is so much deeper than the physical thirst, but it is very real. And yet the well is deep. And we cannot get there on our own. If you've been there, you know how devastating such a thirst can be. How hard it can be on the heart and on the life. If you wonder why people do the things that they do in our world, I ask you to change your perspective instead of seeing them as the enemy. To look at them perhaps as Jesus did, as people who are very thirsty. They're so thirsty they don't even know it. They're thirsty enough that they will go to the well at noon. They're thirsty enough that they will drink the sand. Because they cannot find the water. And the water that they seek is too deep for them to draw. She didn't know that, but Jesus certainly did. And her thirst is about to be quenched. Her life is about to change. I don't know if she anticipated it. But when we come to Christ and sincerely thirst, Jesus said, those who come to me shall hunger and thirst only for righteousness. And so what Jesus offers her is relief from the parched. And he offers her a promise. That promise is very simply living water. This thirst was unquenchable by herself. She was not going to find her deepest needs met in that Jacob's well. However deep it was and however high the water table was, Jesus uses her physical need, as he often did, to point her to a greater, deeper Spiritual need. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 2. This is not a, a new thing, by the way. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Jesus, or God is speaking to his beloved Israel. And he pu- accuses them of a very serious thing. In verse 13 of Jeremiah chapter 2. The Lord says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. And they have dug their own cisterns that cannot hold water. If you begin to see the world and the people in it, as a dying of thirst. And you can go back to these two fundamental things. First, they have rejected God. They have rejected the living spring of water. And second, because they still thirst, because their soul still longs for something, they dig their own cisterns. They try to come up with their own ways of sustaining life apart from that which can, apart from anything that can actually sustain life. If you're in that spot tonight, if your life has been very hard and very dry and you find yourself sort of like the woman, isolating yourself, emotionally dry, spiritually dry, relationally dry, my guess is you're guilty of Jeremiah chapter 2. You've rejected the living water, the spring which God has given you and you have sought to dig to dig your own cisterns. In John chapter 6 verse 35 Jesus is not speaking to the woman, but he says something which I do believe applies to the woman. Chapter 6 He's speaking about the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. There's verse 35, I'm sorry. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. The promise which Jesus gives to her is the same promise which he offers to us. Turn to John, one chapter over to John, chapter 7. Verse 37 and following. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams, not just a well, not just a spring, but streams of living water will flow from within him. And John goes on to explain this. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given. Jesus had not yet been glorified. Faith in Jesus is refreshing and satisfying and quenches our deepest need. But it's so beautiful to me how that at the moment when we step into the water, we're promised That not only do we get wet, and by the way, nothing really magical happens in the water, but we're given not just the forgiveness of sins, but we're given the Spirit who lives within us, who is the living streams of water. That He's going to sustain us, He's going to refresh our souls for the deep, dark times, for the dry times of life. For the difficult times when you feel like you can't go forward, the Spirit does and provides a stream of living water. I think that's wonderful and beautiful. The same promise that was to the disciples is the same promise, of course, to us. The woman thought he was still talking about H2O, and of course he wasn't. He was talking about something much deeper. He points back to the spirit himself in uh, remember the verse here, John chapter back to John chapter four he She starts talking about where we worship and the the uh, location uh, for uh, the difference between worship for the Samaritans and the jews and jesus doesn 't take the bait, he simply says. The time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. May we seek the Spirit of God, which is the living water within us. May we not Come to the well looking for something other than what Jesus offered. Now, next week, we're going to look at how this woman responded and what was the result of her believing and trusting that Jesus was who he said he was. I to whom you speak am he. The question tonight is, uh, if you haven't done this, if you are ready to come to the well... If you are ready to seek the Christ who is the only one, both now or ever, who could ever quench your greatest thirst. And so I want to call you, if you're thirsty, to come to the well, to draw from him and to drink deeply. To no longer seek to dig your own cisterns, to to no longer seek your own ways, but instead to do what the woman did and trust in Christ Christ. And so next week, we will come to meet a man who is unlike any other man, and we will see what, her, what she does with this. My challenge to you tonight is to let him satisfy your deepest thirst and to let him sustain you by giving you the gift of his spirit. And uh, by the way, if you have covered the well, if you have quenched the spirit, if you have let other things get into that well that have polluted it and caused it to not be what it once was, you can change that too. God can renew your heart and refill your life and your heart and your well. The water leads us to the Spirit, and the Spirit let us overflow with His life. If you are dry, if you are parched, if you need to know Christ, if you need to have the joy of the Spirit, the living stream Welling up within you, I want to call you tonight to do that. Whatever your need might be, come. Come to the well as together we stand and sing.